0: Chris Bunton, and it's my honor to be Dean of TCU's Bob Schieffer College of Communication. Today, it's also my honor to talk with Bob Schieffer about the state of journalism as he sees it after more than 60 years as a news reporter. Thanks, Bob. In 2017, you published your fifth book. It was titled Overload. Finding the Truth in Today's Deluge of News, and your book assessed the state of journalism in the digital age. Um, Writing not long after Donald Trump was elected president, you said that the integrity of news reporters was being challenged with what you called reckless ferocity. You noted that President Trump called reporters dishonest, producers of fake news, and the enemy of the American people and you pointed out that hillary clinton's campaign did not much respect reporters either now it's two weeks after joe biden was elected our next president and not much has changed has it the challenges to journalist integrity that you identified after the 2016 election seem to persist in the 2020 campaign didn't they so let's talk about those challenges to journalist integrity For example, why do you think it matters if public officials call reporters dishonest and producers of fake news?
1: You know, Chris, uh, the first thing I want to do is thank you for the remarkable job that you've been doing. TCU is lucky. We're fortunate to have you. You got the right stuff. And you're teaching your students what they need to know as they enter this uh, ever-changing world of communications. In answer to your question. I think it is fair to say that President Trump's uh, attacks on the press have reached uh, a new level of, for want of a better word, childishness, uh, certainly uh, in my lifetime. We have to remember that Watergate saw the revealing of some pretty uh, dreadful things also aimed at reporters. But it does matter when presidents level these kind of charges because what any president says matters and gets wide circulation. He has the biggest megaphone in the world, and a lot of people believe what the president says for no other reason than that he's the president, which really tells us uh, of the respect we hold for this office. It also matters because, in America, access to independently gathered information provided by the press, information that we can then compare to the government's version of events, is really what sets us apart from totalitarian societies. It's as important to our democracy as the right to vote. When anybody tries to undermine that, they are attempting to undermine the bedrock of our democracy. Uh, let me just say something else. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day, and. No president, as far as I know, has been happy with the news coverage he gets as president. No Democrat, no Republican, the Bushes, the Clintons, Jimmy Carter, Reagan, or Barack Obama, uh, whose criticism of the press uh, runs throughout his new biography. I'd also like to point out that one of Mr. Obama's allegations is already being outdated. He states that the difference in liberal and conservative critics is that liberals flail at their own side. I think that conservative George Will, former George W. Bush speechwriter and now columnist Michael Gerson and conservative Max Boot, among others, would be happy to tell Mr. Obama that conservatives have no problem taking on their own. They have been among the conservatives who have consistently, literally taken the hide off the current president, as the Wall Street Journal from time to time when it felt the need to differ with him. So some things change, some things never do
0: that's right in your overload book you were kind enough to let me write a chapter and i was honored to do that and in my chapter i tried to point out that fundamental ethical principles of journalism were more important than ever in reporting on elections in democracy and those fundamental ethical principles i identified in journalism would be telling verifiable truth maintaining independence from sources and subjects, disclosing conflicts of interest, serving the needs of citizens. And the cardinal principle among those in journalism is telling verifiable truth. After this 2020 election, I worry that that principle is under more substantial attack than ever. For instance, did you ever think you'd see a day when the New York Times would produce an exhaustively documented investigative report on a presidential candidate's history of avoiding payment of personal income taxes, only to have millions of voters say, in essence, doesn't matter? Or did you think you'd see a day when the chair of the Arizona Republican Party would flat out say to CBS 60 Minutes, the media lies and can't be believed, so Why should they care? What do you think, Bob, is the future of journalism when citizens say they don't believe verified, truthful information that's reported by mainstream news organizations?
1: I would just start by saying if the president had disclosed his taxes, as has been the custom, the Times would not have had to have done that, the investigation. Which is why I always thought from the start that keeping his returns uh, secret was simply bad politics. But to your question, I think if you look to polls and other ways to measure public opinion, I think a majority of people did believe that report. But we are so bombarded with so much information now from so many sources – A lot of the time, we don't know what to believe. So I think we sometimes believe what we want to believe, not the reality of what has happened. I ran across the other day an interesting thing that I, if I knew it, I'd forgotten it. But a Washington Post poll in 2018 showed that 41 percent of republicans thought it acceptable to make false claims if it was for the good of the country Uh, that compared to 25 percent of democrats and independents who felt that way whatever the reason and i think as journalists this is the part we have to remember our role is to keep doing what we do we are not the opposition party as trump is charged it's the politicians who deliver the message our job is to check it out and deliver the truth. Lynn Kessler, the chief fact, uh, fact checker at the Washington Post, wrote the other day, we don't fact check to influence politicians. We fact check to inform voters. They decide what to do with the information.
0: Right. You know, in Overload, you wrote that the 2016 presidential election revealed deep divisions in our country over issues ranging from the economy to the law, civil justice, political policing and and justice issues to race issues. It seemed to me those issues were even more important in the 2020 presidential election. Do you think that reporters were any better equipped to cover those issues in 2020 than they had in 2016?
1: Well, it was a it was a huge job because uh, there is so much to report these days. I'd also say that we may be even more divided now than we were in 2016. It's uh, it's kind of like Joe Biden has been elected president of two very different countries, one very conservative, one uh, not so much. Joe Biden got uh, 78 million votes, more than anyone in history, but this uh, election was not the shellacking of trump and trumpism that many uh, democrats were hoping for because think about this trump got 73 million votes republicans picked up seats in the house Uh, if they win just one of those uh, senate seats in georgia that won't be decided until january uh, they will hold their slim majority in the senate The understatement of the year about this election, I think, uh, Chris, is that Joe Biden has his work cut out for it. Donald Trump is not going to go quietly in the night, which is going to uh, complicate things even more. I don't know what he's going to do, but we'll know that he is out there. Uh, This is still a difficult thing, and we still have a difficult job uh, reporting the truth to people as we find it And you know, what they will decide to do about it, uh, well, that's that's their job.
0: <laughs> right. You, you said in in Overload that the 2016 presidential election revealed the weakness of the electoral process itself. And it seems to me that in 2020, the weaknesses of that process were more apparent than ever and do present those threats to democracy that we've been talking about. And in fact, in these two weeks uh, since The actual November 3rd election date, it seems like these threats to the electoral process have become more intense. How well do you think journalists are covering um, these challenges to the security of, of voting? We've got the recount in Georgia going on right now. We've got politicians clamoring for the Georgia Secretary of State to step aside or change the legal process for a recount. Are journalists doing a good job of helping citizens see these threats and understand them?
1: I think they are. I I think they're doing all that's humanly possible. And up until now, for all the charges that have been leveled uh, by the uh, current administration, uh, so far, there seems to be no evidence to support these charges uh, many of them seem to be made up uh, just out of a uh, whole cloth of uh, some that are being checked on but uh, you're seeing uh, most of these lawsuits that have been filed so far have been uh, turned back but The uh, Georgia Secretary of State, who is a, uh, you know, is a Republican, is saying, "Look, uh, he's had Republicans telling him to throw out some votes that uh, have been legally counted," and it just, it's just uh, amazing to, to think about what uh, we're going through here. But it just adds, uh, you know, to this uh, this chaos that we've all been going through. Uh, there's just more information than we can process. I- I thought back in in 2016 we were overwhelmed by information, but uh, I was thinking about this the other day. We are not just overwhelmed by this information, uh, I think we're exhausted by it. We have been so deluged by the last four years of chaos that the Stormy Daniels scandal didn't even make it to the election season as an issue when something like that happens you're dealing with a whole lot of information and i think it's just almost impossible to process it i i think quite frankly if the president-elect can just quiet things down for a while and that may not be possible he he might be able to get a few things done number one We have got to defeat this virus and get people back to work. And already, uh, as we can see now, there's still controversy about what is the right way to go about that.
0: And to speak to that point about the deluge of information, that really was the reason for the title of your book, Overload, with regard to the virus. Are citizens getting the information they need to know to, to make the right kinds of choices or are they exhausted by this deluge of information and or seeking information that fits their perspectives? And so they're, they're not hearing from verifiable sources about the danger of this new wave of infections.
1: Well, we're, we're into this atmosphere now that, you know, Republicans seem to be uninterested in anything that Democrats may have to offer, and Democrats seem uninterested in anything that you know, that Republicans have to offer along that along that line but i think well obviously that has to change if we're going to get anything done but i think if biden can just somehow quiet this down and i think You don't quiet it down by telling all the people who voted for Donald Trump that they're idiots, that you challenge their intelligence, I think. And so far, I think Biden is handling it the right way. He is uh, trying to keep it at a much higher level. He is saying that we've got to talk. What we have to do, what he has to do and I think it's the most important challenge right now, is to convince people that compromise is not a dirty word. It's a magic word. And it's going to be the key to getting this country moving again. But, you know, this is going to take a while. It's just simply going to take a while uh, after what we have gone through. And this just is this chaos that keeps going on. I mean, I think... In a funny way, and I, I don't mean this as a per- particular criticism of it. This is the way Donald Trump has lived his whole life, lunging from one crisis to another, uh, bouncing from one marriage to a divorce, from from scandal, from bankruptcies to uh, to, to windfalls on the financial front. This is kind of this is kind of what he's used to, and I think frankly one of the things we're dealing with is uh, this is not what most of us in america were used to and uh, I, I think again it just if we can calm down a little bit here it might have a uh, tremendous impact on all of
0: this here's a another question because uh... Uh, President Trump has seemed to gravitate to the dramatic, the sort of flamethrowing to generate attention. I mean, he, he is a master of generating media attention. What do you think happens to Fox News or CNN, for that matter, or MSNBC, where he's been good TV for them? um, And I I don't think President-elect Biden promises that kind of sensation. What what do you think they will do to uh, cover this administration or to continue to cultivate their audiences?
1: I think... uh... One of the things that Fox News may have to deal with is Donald Trump himself. He fell out with them uh, a couple of months ago, and the talk you hear, the gossip, and it's nothing more than gossip at this point, is that he may try to uh, start up his own cable company to compete with them. We don't know exactly what he's going to do. Uh, He may well uh, decide that what he wants to do is to run for president in 2024 and start that campaign right now. Uh, so we we have to gauge that, but just be aware that uh, something like that uh, may be in the mix here. But again, uh, what we need now—I said this the other day uh, in, in another interview—is not more of the new politics. Uh, what we need is more of the old politics, the old-fashioned politics, uh, which we tend to overlook. They worked, uh, and by old politics, I mean. Uh, Joe Biden needs to get together with Mitch McConnell, not on television, but go into one of them's office, and they talk about things and look for things that they can both agree on, and uh, uh, and and begin to try to reestablish trust. Not only among the two of them, but among among the political parties. That that is possible. Uh, Lyndon Johnson passed the Civil Rights Acts of sixty four and sixty five with Everett Dirksen, who was the Republican leader in the Senate, and he could not have done it without without Everett Dirksen. And when he got that second one passed, he went up to the Capitol to sign that legislation because he wanted the people on Capitol Hill to know he couldn't have done it without them. He didn't sign it at the White House. That was done for a purpose. But there are ways to get these things done. But people, the first thing they have to do is uh, talk to one another. I I think it, it would it would be remarkable if uh, Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden just had a news conference and said we want everybody to know we're talking again uh, who, who's going to be hurt by by something like that and it it it, it might uh, kind of uh, calm down the atmosphere a little bit
0: right i'm i'm struck by what you said a few minutes ago when you said compromise is not a dirty word Compromise is a magic word. I think we need that on some bumper stickers or T-shirts, maybe. (laughs) I think that one of the bright spots uh, in this 2020 presidential election is the high voter turnout, as you pointed out. Mr. Biden was elected with with more votes than any presidential candidate in history. And President Trump earned huge numbers of votes. What do you think changed since 2016 that got more people to the polls? Was it the pandemic?
1: Yes, I think it was, uh, you know, even without their favorite sources of news, and that uh, for so many years was the local newspapers, were which are in a terrible crisis right now. Uh, people understood we were in a dangerous place. Uh, you know, you don't need a newspaper, you don't need a television station to tell you uh, that uh, somebody in your family has the coronavirus or that, that you've lost your job we may not agree on solutions right now but i think we all knew we had a serious problem and i think that's why people turned out to vote and uh, aren't we glad they did
0: yes indeed well bob um i may be the dean of the college that bears your name but you are the dean of uh, washington reporters and political analysts so you get the last word here uh any great parting thoughts for us about the future of journalism and its role in a democracy
1: Well, I'll let others characterize my thoughts, but of of course I have thoughts. Uh, Chris, I am very proud of what journalists were able to do over these past four years. I mean, what would any of us have known about the state of our nation had it not been for journalists? And these were people who were risking their own health to go out and report stories that sometimes uh, people didn't want to hear. I mean, what would the government have volunteered Over these last four years, had it not been uh, a group of journalists who were pushing them uh, on these various things that happened, uh, what conspiracy theory would have swept the country uh, had the legacy journalistic organizations not been there to knock them down? What, What would we have known about this election? I think the working reporters who covered this campaign under the most difficult circumstances uh, should be commended, and they certainly get my congratulations. I'm proud of the profession and what it was uh, what it was able to do.
0: I think what you're saying is that journalists are essential workers in preserving democracy.
1: Well, I certainly do. <laughs> I certainly do.
0: Thank you, Bob. I'm sure that the people who will listen to this interview will be grateful for your uh, sharing of your uh, important thoughts and I appreciate it. Thanks for the conversation.
1: Thank you, Chris.